you when you need to know what's happening, it's 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 time to get in the huddle with Carl Duke, Brian Baldinger, and Jason Lacanfora. Back for another edition of In the Huddle. Carl Dukes put him up, my man, Jason Lacanfora. Here with us, of course, Brian Baldinger. Baldy, a part of this podcast as well. We'll talk to him uh, as well later in the week. And also, you'll get a chance to hear from Baldy as he's been making his way around NFL camps. Jason, we got a lot to chop up, man. We are in week two of the preseason. Um, Everybody's talking about HBO Hard Knocks. And I want to start there with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. My first impression, you know, week one was, Who's got more power? It seemed like everybody was, you know, kissing Aaron Rodgers' butt, and I get it. But Robert Sala was also kind of like, hey, just whatever you want to do. And it was kind of one of those weird things. And then in episode two, I'm not sure about Robert Sala. I'm going to start there, and then I want you to get Uh into Aaron Rodgers killing his own line because that was fascinating in episode two. Yeah, I mean, I I think if you're someone who has covered professional sports teams um, to any great degree, if you've been around athletes like Aaron Rodgers, um, who have really become pretty entitled, right, and pretty used to getting their way or or else um, for years now, you know, since he hit the the late stage MVP period of his career and started bending the the Packers over every offseason. Like, if you're familiar with those dynamics, and like, I covered – the, the Washington Arskins at a time where, you know, every year was about winning this year, right bleeping now, right, with a lot of older guys and brought in from the outside, mercenaries, and we got to make it happen quickly. Um, and and the owners sort of kowtowing to players and coaches kowtowing to players. Man, I, I it, it raises my suspicions. It makes me um, a skeptic. And then to literally see it. Right. Like this is not manipulated. This isn't AI. This isn't funky editing. (laughs) Like this cat is running this franchise from the practice field. I just don't think it has any chance of working. I I don't. To your point about Robert Sala, it seems like they take their cues. Right. And their talking points and their bullet points from what the quarterback's bitching about any given moment. And then they go and spread it to the rest of the organization. Hey, defense, you better. I get this going. Hey, offensive line, you better get this going. You know, hey, we better change this around. And then just, I mean, everything about it, the meeting rooms, the practices, it doesn't sit well with me. And the the the, the, the offensive line thing really pissed me off because this is Mr. I do my own research. This is you should do your own research. This is Mr. I'm, I'm thinking things through at a level you can't comprehend. I'm smarter than you. I see the big picture in a way you can't, right? I'm investigating what it means to be inoculated versus vaccinated. I'm an expert on team building concepts and how to bring guys in. I'm an expert in leadership, right? Like I, I've got it all figured out. I do my own research on what I put into my body because that's just who I am. Did you do any research on the offensive line? Like what that's happening there should surprise anybody who did a modicum of research who even just flipped through a depth chart and Googled Jets offensive line, right? And spent five minutes reading about it. Like, did he think that, like, Dwayne Brown was going to get 10 years younger? Like, did did he think Mekhi Becton's going to turn into a football player just because I walked into the building? Like, did he think the depth chart and the third and fourth guy who were playing were going to become football players? Like, the offensive line sucks. Like, it's your job to write, run your little dinky donkey, throw 40% of my passes at or behind the line of scrimmage and manipulate it. Like the idea that he had this revelation at Spartansburg, you know, on the Wolford 
college campus on a one-day practice with the Panthers, right? Because the second day got rained out. Like he had this epiphany that now I've got to fix the offensive line and I don't think these bums can play. Get, get out of here. Like get out of here, right? And then they go and get Dalvin Cook. Like it, it, it's just all very predictable, predictable to me. Like this is the first sign of fake adversity. Like this is a bad scrimmage practice. And he goes DEFCON 5 and everybody's running around trying to play Kate Aaron Rodgers and you better step it up and you better step it up and you better step it up because the boss says that's not good enough. Boss better play like an MVP. He's not. And like, I don't know, Carl. Like, I, I just was like, this, this is affirming every every sort of potential pitfall I saw. This is it's it's already happening. So Robert Sala in the team meeting, if you've not seen HBO Hard Knocks episode two, goes in on the offensive line and he he makes a point. And this is where, you know, I think, again, I know you 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 don't treat everybody the same. But they've already put in Ross Rogers on a pedestal. And it becomes very difficult for anybody in that in that locker room to look at him any differently. So Robert Sala says in that meeting, right, Jason, he's like, we got a Hall of Fame quarterback and a defensive front that's kicking ass. And he's going on and on. And, you know, we got two $10 million wide receivers. And I'm like, you, you got to put everybody on the same, you know, playing field, right? Hey, offense, here's what we need to fix. And I just thought it was an over-exaggeration. Now, you can tell me it was for the cameras. I don't believe that. I, I think he just said what he felt. And it puts Aaron in a, in a position of power that I think is very difficult for the Jets to maneuver. When you start talking about it's not the Hall of Fame quarterback's issue, it's everyone else's issue, that is what's going to become a problem. It's not going to be Aaron's issue. It's going to be everyone else's problem. So I agree, I agree with you. And by the way, they've been rotating two guys, Mac, Max Mitchell and Billy Turner, at tackles. Right until Dwayne Brown gets back, until this Makai Becton situation gets back, neither one of those guys can play. All right, neither one of them. Sorry, Jets fans, and I know a lot of Jets fans watch this podcast. This is going to be the Achilles' heel of the Jets this season. And Aaron, as elusive as he is, he's not going to be able to run around for seventeen weeks and create plays. So he's I, not I think holding over the ball. The ball's coming out, bro. It's late stage Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> Turn around, three steps and turn around. And then someone's got to jack it. your ass up in the slot. Like, you know, we're going to take years off your career like they took years off Juju Smith-Schuster's career because it's three yards in a cloud of dust in the pass game, brother. Yeah, it's 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 a concern. Um, and, and so we'll see. The Dalvin Cook move, let's talk about this real quickly, Jason. It's in the huddle, guys. Subscribe, like us, tell your friends. We are all over the NFL season right around the corner. We'll be putting new episodes out two to three a week, talking about all the things going on. And follow us uh, also on YouTube, in the huddle pod. You can follow and, and watch all the episodes. Jason, what do you think about the Dalvin Cook? Was It was inevitable, right, that he was going to sign there? Well, yeah, because the, the quarterback slash offensive coordinator slash head coach slash GM slash de facto owner wanted it. So, I mean, now all of a sudden Dalvin Cook's a $7 million running back where the market said for months that he wasn't, which, I mean, it doesn't mean it won't, you know, work or help. Um, but I think it's clearly a knee-jerk reaction to Aaron Rodgers, who who is very smart. Not as smart as he thinks he is, but is very smart. Sizing up this situation <laughs> saying – Hey, I ain't getting hit 150 times this year. You know what I mean? Like that ain't happening. Like,
Like I ain't playing 15 games, getting hit 10 times a game. So you're not positive about Brees Hall, right? You're not positive about his early workload. Well, I'm going to make sure we got insurance in the running back position because we're going to be running the football. They're going to be getting hit. I'm not getting hit, you know? And I like to throw to the running backs. I like to throw behind the line of scrimmage. So who am I throwing to? So, I, I mean, I, I look, again, I don't, I don't think you have to be, um, you know, Albert Einstein to figure out this equation. So, I mean, and 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 it makes sense on a certain level. Um, you know, how is he going to hold up, though? Um, obviously, injury has been a big part of his career story. And, again, if you're bringing this guy in to be the game changer, then why does – like – why does everything else have to happen to you know what I mean? Like if he's who you pretend he is, which is this MVP, then why does he need right. three of his wide receivers? You know what I mean? Like what why is why does he need all this? Like I thought the idea is you're gonna come in here and you're gonna make our young team better. You know, no, we're gonna well, keep adding older guys and paying them a lot of money. You know, like <laughs> all right. Everybody told us the only missing piece to the Jets was the, the quarterback, right? That's what they said last year. Uh, that was that's the what they were trying piece. to sell. Yeah. Yeah. And and they have added a variety of pieces. Look, Dalvin Cook's coming off a shoulder surgery. He's got a baby on the way. Not that that is going to you know deter him from having a great season. All I'm saying is there are things on his plate that he's got to overcome as he makes his way to camp and gets ready for the season. And so – you know, the, the 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 first kid, Jason, we can attest to this. It changes your life, right? I mean, it's a different deal when you yeah, have your first absolutely. kid. Um, coming off a shoulder surgery, they got to make sure they protect him in a way that they don't put him in harm's way to re-enter that thing and that he can go. So, I mean, obviously he passed the physical. They're going to they're gonna pay him. But I am curious to see how that shakes out, and especially with Brees Hall. I know he's not expected to be back as soon, you know, 100% or whatever, but Hall was really good last year, and if they can combine – and those two guys in the backfield and do something for, for Aaron Rodgers for the run game, that's fine. But I still don't know if they're able to open up holes. We're talking about pass protecting. I don't know if they can open up holes, Jason, for the run game. That's the issue. No, they look, the, the, I mean, the offensive line is a major issue. There's no two ways about it. And I think, you know, again, your, your point that you shined a light on um, about what's happened in those meeting rooms, like usually the, like a, a head coach who's comfortable in his own skin um, a head coach who knows he's empowered by the owner, right? When the obvious thing to do is like, well, anybody who watched that practice or watches this episode is going to see that the offensive line's getting their ass kicked and everybody's going around pointing the finger at the offensive line. Wouldn't that be the time you bring everybody together and say, look, everybody out there is going to try to dissect us and everybody's going to out there, try, out there is going to try to say there's a caste system on this football team that we cater to some and not others, but that's not true. We're going to work with you guys and we got the best defensive line in the league not to say they're better than you, but to say they're going to help sharpen you as well. You know, we just need a little more X, Y, and Z. Like, it, it, it's everyone's defaulting so quickly to what they think number eight wants to see you do or how you act. Like, that's not – I'm just telling you, it's not going to work. And go look at their early season schedule. If this is what – if this is the panic buttons and alarms that are going off in the middle of August after one preseason game, watch when they lose two or three in a row. Because it's never Aaron Rodgers' fault. It can't be Aaron Rodgers' fault. If it's Aaron Rodgers' fault, they're all effing losers because they set it up this way. So if it's Aaron Rodgers' fault, owners don't fire themselves, but everybody else there is out of a job. And the first rule of the NFL is CYA, cover your ass. So it'll never be Aaron Rodgers. No doubt. 
No, no doubt about it. I'm curious to see how it shakes out. Let's shift gears and talk about Trey Lance. What's going on with the 49ers in this quarterback situation? Brock Purdy's the guy. He recovered sooner than we expected. So a lot of people said he wouldn't be ready for the season. He's been in camp. He's the guy. What the hell do you do with Trey Lance, who you moved up to get with draft capital? And now, you know, I'm hearing John Lynch say things like, well, you know, we, we want him here. We're not. What are they doing? It's it's really weird. I mean, it's a good question. Like, what 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 were they doing in that Raiders game? Um, were they trying to showcase Trey Lance and he just can't play? Um, were they throwing too much at Trey Lance, even though he's been in the league for a long time? He obviously barely played last year, and he's coming off of another major surgery. Like, or were they were they trying to embarrass Trey Lance? You know, again, even though they're the ones who took him third overall. You know, they're the ones who moved heaven and earth, right? And we had this whole clandestine thing. Are they moving up for patently average Mac Jones? Or are they moving up for a kid who's barely thrown a football since high school? Oh, my God. What is the the mad scientist, the genius, Kyle Shanahan? Which one? Which one does he covet? Um, They did all this. You know, they played the kid when they played the kid. They set up their quarterback room the way they set up their quarterback room. They set up their offense the way they set up their offense. Uh and and now it's just it's funny to me because like there always has to be something behind door number two with them at the quarterback position that we know better, he's better than you think, just trust us. And they can't sell Trey Lance as that guy anymore. So now it's Sam Darnold. Like they they talk about Sam Darnold like the Jets did when they drafted him fifth overall or whatever. Like now it's all about, well, yeah, don't that kid who couldn't complete a pass, looked like he didn't understand basic football, who was totally overwhelmed by the, by the guys who won't make the crappy-ass Raiders. Don't pay attention to that. We, we played – we did that because we had to. But, man, you should see Sam Darnold. Like, oh, it's it's a renaissance. It's like oh, – and, and Brock Purdy clearly is already a, one of the best quarterbacks in the league because, you know, he, he didn't pee down his leg for four weeks last year. So he's got to be awesome. Like I just it, it it that's another one where I just kind of sit back and say, well, all right. I mean, I don't know. I remember C.J. Beathard. Like I remember some of the stuff you sold in the past. Like we'll we'll see. Um, you know, now Brock Purdy's throwing a lot of interceptions in practice. But I, so I don't know what you're going to get for Trey Lance. Like it's clear that Trey Lance will never develop there. Like you can't develop three quarterbacks at the same time. And they're again they're no. talking about Sam Darnold like he's the shiny diamond. Now they have to polish up. So. And we know Purdy's going to get every rep he can get because he's about to be the starting quarterback of a team that's in Super Bowl or bust mode and thinks it has the best defense in the league and obviously has an amazing um, group of skill players on offense outside of the quarterback position. And, you know, they got one of the best left tackles on the planet. So we'll see. Purdy's going to deal with a whole different level of expectations this year. Um, But I don't think there's room for him at that end. I think he'll be cast aside. But Carl, I don't know. Like, you you look at all the teams that drafted quarterbacks this year and then the teams that are kind of waiting for next year, you know, like quietly, like Arizona, you know, and, yeah, we don't know when Kyler's coming back, but, like, they're not going to airdrop Trey Lanson in that situation. You know, like, it's hard to find the match. Like, even if you're not going to get much for him, you're not going to get much for him. Like, who's willing to start investing their time, energy, you know what I mean? Uh, Yep. Capital. Yep. And trying to polish him up ahead of week one. You know what I mean? Or if you trade him at the roster cutdowns, like who's going to take him, redshirt him for another year, which, right, another team that doesn't need him for this year, and then think, 
like, I don't know, are you picking up his fifth year? Like, I don't even know where the hell he is in terms of fifth year options and all this stuff. It feels like he's been around forever and done nothing. So I, I don't know what, I don't know where he goes. I, I, I have a hard time, you know what I mean? Like identifying who the team is that would be like, yeah, let's take, let, let's wrap our arms around this kid and see if by the middle of the season, he's our future. I, I don't know. I think he's inaccurate. I think he can play, but it has to be um, a system that's set up specifically. As Shanahan went in the last season, they kind of had the playbook around him, right? The RPOs, which is why you know his ankle gets broken, because um, you're running uh-huh. him in those situations and trying to use his athleticism. They didn't do any of that. Purdy, they, they backed off of that. Shanahan, and you know this, Kyle has always been a guy that feels like he can develop and 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 – you know, create a situation for any quarterback, right? Yeah. Hell, he came to Atlanta and made Matt Ryan the MVP. So you, you know he feels like I can do anything with anybody. Yeah. But the problem is, you said it, Jason, there's no trade value for Trey Lance. And then they, they showcased him. He was 10 of 15 in that Raiders game. They scored a touchdown. He threw one touchdown. And I just, I'm not impressed. So if you're going around the league to your point and you're saying, hey, here's a team that needs a quarterback. Are they willing to give up more draft capital to go get Trey Lance right now? And we're three or four weeks, three weeks away from the start of the season. I just don't see it happening. So he's stuck. And the worst case is he needs to get out of there, but he's stuck. I don't think he's going anywhere, and I don't think they're going to develop him. And I think, you know, that fifth-year option thing you're talking about, they probably won't and allow him to go somewhere else because now if they believe in Sam Darnold, which – Again, we the, the Jets thing was a disaster because of the organization. But in Carolina, he showed flashes, right, on, on a Carolina team. I don't know. I, I'm just – I'm lost and perplexed at this whole 49er quarterback room thing. And then I guess they're holding on to Trey Lance in case Brock Purdy gets hurt, and now they've got at least two guys. And I, I don't know. It just makes no sense to me. I don't know. Yeah, I, I just think the whole thing um, has been kind of incongruous and, and- – and hard to figure. Um, and the kid just hasn't, I think he's throwing like 400, some meaningful passes, like in game. Yeah, he hasn't played enough since yeah. high school, since high school. I, I mean, and, and, you know, I, I, and, and the whole thing was supposed to be, well, we know better. We're smarter. We can make up for lost time. You know what I mean? We're quarterback gurus. And I get it. Injuries happen and there's nothing you can do about it. And that takes them out of the mix for a while. But they, 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 it's not going to happen there. He's got to know that they don't, they're over me. You know what I mean? Like the, they're yes. not spending every waking hour trying to put me and, and therefore this offense in positions to succeed with me at the helm. It's now about these two other guys more than it is about me, you know, uh, Hey, Mr. Agent, where could I go? You know, where can you get me where it would be all about me? I, I get you, you tell me, you know what I mean? You tell me the team. I, I don't know. I, I sat there looking yeah. at last year's standings last night, you know, saying, would they, would they, would they, would they? I, 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 I don't know. Didn't see, didn't see a lot of natural landing spaces. Jason, let's talk about uh, the Ravens uh, in your neck of the woods. A lot of people excited about Todd Munkin, what the offense is going to look like. Now, we haven't seen Lamar, you know, Odell Beckham, obviously, Zay Jones, or Zay Flowers, should I say, all these guys that he's working with now. Tell me how explosive you think this offense is going to be. And then 
from a betting standpoint, because we talk betting on this show, guys, and we will. We'll have our buddy Nick Costos on the show throughout the course of the season talking about these games and uh, with you better, you bet. I, I think a lot of people are thinking this offense is going to be more explosive. So am I betting the overs or the unders on this Ravens squad? They became an over team last year, and I think especially early this season, um, they're going to be an over team, but not not even so much because of the offense. Um, you know, they lost Mar- – Marlon Humphrey's really the only starting caliber corner on the roster. Um, and he talked to the media Tuesday after joint practice with the uh, commanders. Seemed fine, you know, talking about any and everything. Thursday morning, they check his foot out, and he's getting, you know, immediate foot surgery. Uh, the team says, you know, they think it's a short-term thing. I don't know. A foot surgery in mid-August, you know, for your, your Pro Bowl corner. Uh, a foot? Foot's not foot's not good. Foot surgery, not good. Um, I don't think you're going to see Marlon Humphrey till sometime, maybe the middle of October. And they're going to start playing football games that count the standings before then. Uh, you know, John Harbaugh a week prior kind of sent an alarm to the front office. You know, Javion Clowney was in town for a visit, didn't sign. You know, and, and he and Harbaugh was sort of asked, like, well, what about this corner situation? Because that looks like it might be even more pressing. And he's like, oh, yeah, we need corners. Like, you're, I, that could be an issue. That part of the roster could be an issue. And that's before Marlon Humphrey went down. You know, they signed Rocky Sin. He got hurt very early in the preseason, uh, in training camp. Haven't seen him yet. And he's Rocky Sin. Um, you know, like whatever. They've drafted a lot of corners in recent years. Jalen Arbor Davis was hurt at Alabama, been hurt pretty much the totality of his NFL career. Pepe Williams has trouble getting on the field. They don't really know what he is. Brandon Stevens um, looked like he was transitioning to a safety, and that probably would have been a better spot for him. Now they need him back at corner because they have no corners. They're claiming guys off waivers. Um, it's not a good situation. And there isn't a pass rusher on this team who's ever done anything. Mm. And, and, their most complete edge player, Tyus Bowser, had some sort of knee flare up, and he hasn't played a snap. You know, he's still inactive. They they haven't even put him on the active roster yet, and we're now halfway through training camp. You know, Justin Houston got him almost 10 sacks last year. Justin Houston had a – if you just look at pressure percentages, you know, pass rush snaps, um, and number of times you create pressure, he was still bringing it um, at a pretty elite level on a pitch count. He's gone. Calais Campbell's gone. Like this defense. What about a Jabo? What what about what about a Jabo, uh, Jason? He's raw, you know. He's he's raw. Um, he he hasn't looked great in these practices. A lot was put on him, and you know, a lot of us, me included, based off what we were hearing from people like Chuck Smith, who they brought in this year. Um, you know, ran pass rushing camps for years. They brought him onto their staff as their pass rushing specialist. He was talking about a Jabo in the spring as a guy who got it who understood moves, counter moves, who was an advanced um, pass rushing mind. And we know the body is chiseled and he's healthy now, but he's having difficulty setting the edge, his instincts. And he looks like a guy who hasn't played football in a couple of years, you know? Um, so we'll see, you know, always look better, but always not a natural pass rusher. Always doesn't have a lot of moves. And always working on the spin move now, you know, but always a guy who tends to get in the vicinity of a quarterback, but not actually affect the play. So there's, they, they're, they're playing guys off the street a lot. Like there's not a whole lot there. Um, So I think that the offense is going to be under pressure immediately day one, even though everything's so new to produce. And I I think they'll do a pretty good job 
But this Ravens defense has, I mean, there, there's major issues, like major issues right now and how they're going to match up. And if you look at their schedule, they're going to Pittsburgh, to Cincinnati, and to Cleveland early in the year. Um, and all those teams are going to be sitting there saying, let's spread them out and find out about um, these defensive backs. And let's see, you know, if one of these guys can get home, we'll go empty and see, you know, if, if a Jabo or Owe, you know, or I don't even know if Bowser will be on the field. Like, I, I don't know. Um, and, and there's time to add people, but like they, they need to add starting caliber. Like they don't need to add bodies. They, they need to add players. Um, and yeah, I, I, I just watching the Eagles, you know, twos and threes move up and down the field um, and Marcus Mariota command the field against, you know, a fair <laughs> number of guys who are going to be, who are going to be on this Ravens defense. Um, and some of them are pushing for key backup or starting roles. Uh, I know it gave pause to a lot of people in that building. And then you lose Marlon Humphrey a few days after that. Um, there's some, there's some reason for concern. Now, not, not that they, you know, can't win their 10 football games maybe and still get in the playoffs or not that they even can't still win the division, but the way people have thought of this team for years, you know, which is defense, 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 the offense is going to have to lead them and, and, and lead them early on. Um, And we'll see, but Odell Beckham looks great. I mean, Odell Beckham looks dynamic, impactful, twitchy. Like he, he looks special. Um, And JK Dobbins ended his hold in, you know, so I think he'll be a great fit in this offense, but, they're going to give up some points, you know, a, a, opponents teams going over their individual team total. And then these games going over, uh, um, I, I have a feeling that's going to end up being an early trend for the Ravens. Jason, what about the Steelers in the AFC North? <clears throat> I love Mike. I like Baldy. Baldy and I always talk about, you know, coach Tomlin and how he handles his business. No losing season since he's been there. And now Kenny Pickett's second year. Kenny, you know, he had a little gunslinger in him, right? I mean, he put it in there and take some chances. Everybody thinks uh, George Pickens is going to take the next step. They're a dynamic wide receiver out of Georgia. Well, what do you think about the Steelers in the AFC North while we're talking about the Ravens? I I, I think they are live, man. I think they are live uh, to win that division. I've sprinkled a little bit on that. Um, not, not, you know, huge money, but you, you can get enough plus money there. Um, that you can cover yourself on a whole lot of other bets if that hits. Um, some evaluators I know who, you know, again, it's just preseason, but guys who've watched their preseason tape and, and graded everybody out, uh, you know, and who, who work on that entire division, guys who are in that division, have told me Pittsburgh might not have the best roster in this division. Um, they love the last couple of Steelers drafts. Uh, you know, there's questions about Matt Canada, the offensive coordinator, sure. But there's a lot of pieces there, and it's the best this offensive line has looked in a long time. And people are still kind of sleeping on them, and people are kind of still treating them like they're a second-class citizen in the AFC. And, and I know a master motivator like Mike Tomlin can really use that to their advantage. Um, I think there's money to be made on, on this Steelers team. Uh, the defense – we know, you know, when Watts even close to being right, how menacing and game-changing that can be. If they want to play ball control through two running backs, they can do it. If they want to play bully ball through 12 personnel, 
<laughs> Washington, once he's six seven, they they can do it. Um, and if they want to beat you at eleven personnel with a couple jitterbug wide receivers and then a few bigger bodies as well, they can do that. Um, I'm I, I I'm very bullish on the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't think they're that that people are are really looking at them the way they should. Um, and and they have cohesion, they have continuity. They're not you know shuffling out, shuffling the deck on their coaching staff. And and they're not they don't they're not trying to I don't think they're going to change their identity or change their spots. They're just going to gradually put more and more on this kid quarterback's plate because he can handle it, and they have the pieces to beat you in a lot of different ways. Um, they can make you match up in a lot of different ways. And the dirty little secret about the AFC North is, and I just talked about it with Baltimore, and they might be in the the the, the biggest jackpot right now in terms of defensive backs. But I don't think there's a defensive coordinator in that division who feels absolutely awesome about their, um, about their secondary, you know, about their personnel at safety and corner. And I think Pittsburgh's going to be much more well-equipped to, um, to execute against that underbelly to force you to live in, in nickel and, and a lot of dime. And let's find out again about your third safety. Let's find out about your, you know, fourth and fifth corner. Um, I like the Pittsburgh Steelers. I, I, I do. Yeah, and that's also going to open up things for Najee Harris, who's motivated to come back and have a really good year, hopefully for them as well. I mean, I, I'm with you on this. I and, and by the way, I'm not concerned about the Joe Burrow injury, but, you know, that was weird, right, when it happened. Like, he was just running and then hopping, and then all of a sudden he goes down, and then, you know – uh, they keep talking about weeks, weeks, weeks. Okay, so they're not telling us he's going to be ready for the opener. I'm assuming he is, but I, I want to say I'm not concerned about it, but I'm, I'm just throwing that out there to say, like, that's a big deal, right? If Joe Burrow is not 100% by week one, and let's just say he misses the first couple of weeks, you know, Cincinnati, we know sure. this different team without Burrow. And I just, to your point about Pittsburgh or maybe even the Ravens getting out there and, and jumping out in a couple Trevor of games, Simeon, that's a big deal. Yeah. Let's talk about uh, a couple of other quarterbacks. One, Anthony Richardson, and then I want to talk about Desmond Ritter. It's in the huddle, guys. Jason Lock on four, Carl Dukes. Baldy's a part of this podcast as well. Subscribe, like us, and tell your friends, and also watch us on YouTube in the huddle pod. They make Richardson the starter. They make it official. And now Shane Steichen, who's the new head coach there in Indy, was like, look, we're rolling. We're going we're gonna to put all this on his plate, and we'll see what he does. He was not great, right? He threw that first interception in the in the preseason game. I'm not going to, you know, over exaggerate that, Jason, but I'm like, okay, I think this is the right decision. If you draft a guy that high and you've bought into him, even if he's raw, play him, right? Hell, let's let's go see what he's got. Nobody's picking the Colts to win the Super Bowl, so let's just go learn, right? No. Well, this is always going to happen. I mean, I talked about it a little bit. I think talked about it actually during our Odyssey draft coverage with Baldy in real time, like there, Jim Irsay is calling all the shots there. And the honky tonk man didn't draft this kid where they drafted this kid to have him look great in practice and look awesome running the scout team. You know what I mean? But, but yeah, let's play this Minshew cat or whatever on Sunday. It's like, no way. It's just not, it's not happening. You know what I mean? This is the guy responsible for Sam Ellinger starting games last year when he had no business doing it. So there was no doubt the moment they made this pick and then a few weeks into the offseason, and you just listen to what Ursay says or what he tweeted 
um, you know, the first couple of times that Richardson was in a Colts uniform, it was obvious to me that this is their their week one starter. And he's not, per se, going to obsess on wins and losses. And you'll And if it does go poorly, you will hear him continue to default to what has already become his narrative, which is, I've been through this before. I saw three and 13 with Peyton Manning. I saw Peyton throw all those picks. You know what I mean? And, and, and Marshall Falk and those guys look at him like, are you sure you're the same guy who played at Tennessee? Um, No, I'm not. I mean, I wouldn't make those comparisons, but this guy has and does and will. Um, And I think he knows he's not one off season away. So if they can find that the quarterback can play and develop this year and hit the ground running next year, and we get a whole bunch of high draft picks on top of it because we stunk. But but we're exciting enough that people still come out and watch us because they want to see what Richard – like, I think that's his master plan. That's why I'm like, this, this kid's definitely playing. Like, no one's going to show up for a three- or five-win team run by a journeyman quarterback. They might show up if it looks like the future is now. So, we'll see. I, I, look, I, I, Richardson was as intriguing as any player to me in that draft. And Richardson, in the right hands – I think could be a wizard in this league, uh, especially if you are taking the long view and you're not going to obsess about every game, which he's got that going for him there. We'll, we'll find out about the rest of it. Um, but yeah, I'm not surprised. I get it. It, it makes sense. Um, and we'll just, you know, again, 13 games. I don't know how much you can extrapolate off that, but you probably needed to get him. You needed, he needed to go somewhere where they weren't going to try to redshirt him, you know what I mean, and have him start to get into Trey yep. Lance territory where now we're counting the number of passes he's thrown, you know, since high school. So we'll see. Um, is he better in December, you know what I mean, than he was in September? Is he better in January than he was in October? That's that's where they will be as a, as a franchise. That's what they have to evaluate. All right, Jace, last thing before we wrap up. It's in the huddle, guys. Uh, Desmond Ritter, Falcons getting a lot of buzz about, you know, how they performed in their first preseason game. They went down to Miami. Defense was lights out. They had two days of practice. Defense was really dominant. They got after Tua. Tua even said as much, like, oh, got to give the Falcons credit. It's the one area they spent money on. But the big question is Desmond Ritter. And, you know, he played four games last year. The problem that I think a lot of fans are having and and looking at Desmond Ritter is they just haven't seen enough. They want to trust him. They want to believe. But I will tell you this, Jason, in the uh, in the training camp sessions that I had a chance to go check out and I was there every day for like eight days. The one thing that bothered me was his aggressiveness to pull the trigger, right, throw the football when he needed to. Like there was just this hesitation, like, okay, it's there, but I'm going to hold it for a second. And he was just a second or two late and it bugged me. And I kept saying, you know, to, to, to listeners here, like, Hey, I don't like the fact that he, there's a hesitation there. Now, some of that was designed, you know, some of the seven on seven crap they do and 11 on 11 and they're, they're working on routes and stuff, but that's a little bit of a concern. I want to see in this second preseason game, which is tomorrow against the Bengals, uh, we're taping this on Thursday. So tomorrow's Friday. That that starts the next week of preseason games. Obviously, tonight we got preseason games as well. But that's kind of what's concerning me is, is he going to be able to hit Drake London and Kyle Pitts and all these weapons now that he's gotten, B. John Robinson, and not be hesitant? And that would be my only concern. But I think the kid is intelligent, and I think he's got a hold and a grasp of grasp of the offense, Jason. And the, t- and the team really likes him. They like him a lot. They think he is, you know, a leader, but he's got to make plays. 
how um the best way to frame it how patient do you think people will be around him and around arthur smith like you know what i mean is it a month you know what i mean is it the first half of the season like with all the pieces they've added now if this isn't meeting the eye test if it's not meeting the box score test coming out of the gate what you know what i mean when when does it when does it become an issue it's a great question and i would say they're gonna give him i think First of all, Arthur Smith is kind of – remember, let's go back, all right? You and I talked about this. When the Lamar stuff was happening in the offseason and whether he was going to be available or not, yeah. there were teams who were immediately out, right? They were like, we're not interested. Yeah. When uh, they hadn't figured out their quarterback situation. Falcons were one of them. So now you have banked all of your energy into Desmond Ritter and said, I believe he's the guy. So that is what Arthur Smith has said. Now, that doesn't mean, again, if this, this thing goes south, that they don't go get another quarterback in a, a quarterback draft that's going to be great in the spring. But the fact is, he's a third-round pick. So I think they give him time because they really want this to work so they can build the damn team and they don't have to pay him $50 million, right? So that that patience, I think, is going to be a little bit more than normal. So I would tell you halfway through the season, like if we get to week seven, and this offense is anemic, and they're not scoring in the red zone, and he's making mistakes, it's going to be a bad situation. Now, they did bring in Taylor Heineke. They like Heineke. He's from Atlanta. He went to high school here, played for the for the commanders. Mm-hmm. You guys know the situation. A lot of people think he probably didn't get a fair shot there. But he's been really good in practice, and, and he looks like he knows what he's doing. So if worst-case scenario, if you had to ride it out, yeah. that's that's what they're going to do. Yeah, I, I'll be fascinated to see sort of what the, if there is a sort because last year it struck me pretty early on that there was a, a dichotomy there between like what the coaches were selling and what they were telling you to believe. You know what I mean? And what people were watching and saying, like when did, when are they pulling the string? Now it's different because this kid was drafted and this kid's younger. You know what I mean? And Mariota was already at sort of the mercenary, yep. you know, bounce around stage of his career. But given how many quarterbacks have, you know, entered this league quickly, and given that again, a kid like Richardson, who the knock was he didn't play at all in college, is going to start. You know what I mean? Week one, whereas Ritter sat behind the mercenary for thirteen weeks or whatever. Like I, I just wonder what that dynamic's going to look like. Um, because yeah, when you take a running back where you take a running back, and you take a wide receiver where they took a wide receiver, and you take a tight end where they took a tight end, like it's supposed to be go time, right? It's supposed to be go time, and you spend you're money right. right to to, uh, to you're spending money on guards and offensive linemen, right? That's so right. We, we we drafted the skill guys. We spent money on the we spent money on the innards. We bought you know what we think is an upgraded offensive line, and it's, it's the go same time. coach. Right. And it's the coach who's worked with young quarterbacks throughout his career. And that's supposed to be his calling card. And the dude got basically a red shirt year last year. Plus, you know, played some road games, got got to get some stuff under his belt. So it's not the first time he's experiencing all that this year. My expectation as a Falcons fan, especially in that division, is wow, it's wide open. Let me see something. Let's score some points. Yeah, they've got to be better. There's no doubt. It's wide open. I do like Bryce Young. I like the Carolina Panthers defensive front seven. Uh, you know, Derek Carr looked good in his, in his preseason opener. 
But it's wide open, and you're absolutely right. It is go time. That's the thing. They have put all this stuff together to make his job, I'm talking about Ritter, a lot easier. Jason, man, great stuff as always. Looking forward to seeing what happens uh, week two of the preseason. We'll be chopping it up, guys, next yes, week sir. as we'll take a look back and, and, and see what happens and what we learn here in week two. A lot of the starters didn't play in week one. They're going to play this week. You only get three games, only to get three preseason games. So we'll see more of the start starters. Subscribe to our YouTube page, guys, at In The Huddle Pod and watch all these episodes. Catch up on uh, what you might have missed. And again, we are putting out new episodes on Tuesday and Thursday. And if something breaks, we'll be on as well talking about it when it comes to the NFL. Jason, great stuff, man. Talk to you soon. Thanks, buddy. Enjoy the games. All right, my man. Everybody take care. Twenty four hundred sports is an Odyssey company.